Welcome into a brand new episode of the Last Interview Podcast. Joining us on the podcast today, John Sterling, the voice of the New York Yankees on the radio. John, first off, thanks again for coming on the podcast today. Always great to catch up with you. And as everyone seems to ask in the last year, first off, it's unprecedented year. How are you holding up just simply through this unprecedented time? Well, I tell uh, my family and friends, if we we don't get the virus, we've won. Hmm. And, and so far, so good. I haven't gotten a shot yet. I'm eligible, but I guess they don't have the vaccine um, out in enough places. But, um, you know, I'm I'm very much of an optimist. Oscar Hammerstein wrote in South Pacific a song called A Cockeyed Optimist, and that's me. (laughs) And, um, you know, I can see the vaccinations going, and I could see us returning to normal, you know, maybe sometime this summer. Anyway, that's what I hope. Do you feel, though, in your lifetime that this time period, because I'm only 20 and I'll be 21 this May, so you have more experience in this category, is this the most unprecedented time in your lifetime in this world? Oh, absolutely. That's the first time you can't live your life normally. Um, Another way I express myself as being an optimist I think when it's finally safe, I could see the economy bouncing back unbelievably. I think people will be, you know, going to theater and and going to dinner and flying places. And uh, I think the economy is going to really bounce back. And because I think everyone is going to try to uh, once again start their lives Mm -hmm. as they did before COVID. What do you miss most from quote-unquote normal life? Well, I think seeing all my friends and uh, I did see my family um, before the kids went back to school. Um, I think, you know, just going out and doing what you want when you want. And as far as broadcasting, Hmm. well, obviously I miss the travel. Um, It's amazing how much we miss the fans. I mean, you know, the games were just not the same thing without fans. And for the away games, and we'll probably do it this year, at least at the beginning of the year, you know, we did the games off a monitor when the away games. Now, the when the Yanks played home, you know, they were there in front of us. But still, it was very different because there was obviously no crowd noise. <laughs> Now, John, I have to say, uh, I think most people know this about you, but maybe some don't listening to this. I think um, one thing everyone loves, the biggest pro for a lot of people, is the use of technology, how much it's helped. But you, you still have a flip phone. Um, And so how much of a challenge has this been with your kind of non-use of technology in this time period of use of technology? Well, I get along very, very well. And I have um, other people, well, my kids and Susan and Michael, if I need to know anything, mm-hmm. they know it and tell me all the time. So um, I don't, I really uh, don't have any any problems because of it. And uh, you know, I'm very happy with how my, my life is going. It's going very well. Thank you. Would you ever get a smartphone or no? I actually have one. I'm working on learning it. Um, 
But of course, I'm on the air with you on my flip. Yes. Fine. <laughs> and it sounds perfect. I mean, I have to say it sounds great. Um, so last season where you had to call games off a monitor, how challenging was that for you or was it at all, especially with no fans? Well, it certainly is challenging. Um, the best way I can describe it is, you know, you're doing a game off a monitor and they gave us uh, a couple of really big monitors, one seeing the whole field and one the the picture of what the TV was doing. But anyway, so, you know, I like to think I can read swings. It doesn't mean I can, but I like to think it. So the pitch comes in and the guy swings. And then you have to take a beat because you have to find out, you know, the game is in some other town and uh, the guy swings. I, you know, I like to think I know it's, well, maybe going to left field if I see the swing. But then you have to take a beat and then you pick it up, you know, when you spot the ball and you hope the camera spots the ball. Uh, one of the tougher things was it's tough to look at two monitors. And let's say there's a base hit with two men on base. Well, you might see the guy from second rounding third and coming home, but you don't see the guy on first. Did he go to second? Did he go to third? <laughs> and you have to wait and look at the big picture monitor and see if there's a figure. You can't see it's small in the, uh, the one they do the whole field. Anyway, uh, you know, you learn with it, and you can hear now that they're doing hockey off it. Mm -hmm. They're doing basketball off it. So uh, it, it's all worked out. They're doing football off it. Um, uh, you don't. You have to wait, as they say, take a beat and find out what the camera is catching. Because if the camera isn't catching it, well, you can't do anything about it. But but you know, you work through everything, and it was it wound up to be you know easy enough, I guess. How did you apply your enthusiasm? for calls like home runs or a great play with no fans do you feel i try to do the same broadcast and um but i use crowd noise that's another was a big problem for me i use crowd noise i play crowd noise you know on a certain pitch uh or on a, on a obviously on a big hit so what i try to do is do it in the same way, it probably didn't sound as good because there wasn't any noise in back of it. Um, you know, but we're making, I think we make, you make too much of, not you personally, but I think it's made too much of, can you do it? You, you do it. Mm -hmm. And uh, the nicest compliment I got from so many people was, well, it, uh, you didn't know you weren't there. It yeah. sounded great. You didn't know you weren't there. So that's a very nice compliment. You know, and I'll get on that bandwagon. I mean, driving home uh, from games up here in upstate New York, we had like a collegiate league, John, and able to broadcast some of those games. And on my way home, I would listen to you and Susan, and I would turn up my car radio, and you heard the fake crowd noise, and it almost seemed like, I mean, if you told me that fans were in the stadium and in the stands, I would have believed you because that's how real it sounded on the radio. Well, that, that's good. Now, the the crowd noise, um, the fake, phony crowd noise drives me nuts. Um, you know, I watch every football game. I don't miss a game. And, 
man, if I can't see it live, I DVR it. Mm. Um, and I, I turn the sound down a lot. I cannot stand that continual phony buzz. <laughs> and uh, so I, I will be a very, very happy guy when when the fans come back in the ballpark. So I know you always love watching sports all year round. Would you rather, if you had the option, if you had to watch it or listen to it, what would you choose? Well, I, um, you know, baseball, very, very much of a radio sport because it's the summer and people are out at the pool or, you know, at their place in the mountains or whatever, wherever they are. Um, but, you know, when the the games are on, I've, I've been watching the Knicks and the Rangers and the Nets and 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 obviously the football game. So I, I enjoy both. And I am a radio bug. I mean, I began my career in radio. I've done a lot of TV, but I'm very much a radio bug. Now, you have called baseball on TV, and I'm sure many people always ask you the pros and cons of radio or TV broadcasting. If you decided... Uh, to if you had a choice, do a TV game or a radio game, what would you choose? Would you choose radio well, I, every day? Yeah, I, I love radio. I mean, it, it's your game, mm-hmm. in this case, myself and Susan. And on television, first of all, I did it in Atlanta for all those years. We would do um, four and a half innings on one, and then cross over and do four and a half on the other. And what you have to do on TV is shut up. (laughs) You can't do it like you do radio. Hmm. So that's a little different. You know, either way, I enjoy it. Hmm. I I enjoy things. The the things I do in life, personally, this is just me, the things I do, I love. Uh, And if I don't love it, I put it over this imaginary wall and pay absolutely no attention to it. So um, do I listen to Sinatra and Ella and the four freshmen and I could name a hundred? Yes. Do I listen to rappers? No. So, you know, I, I wind up doing the things I enjoy or reading. I'm in the middle of reading a a Grisham book, great book. Yeah, he's so terrific. But anyway, I, I wind up doing the things I like, and if I had to choose radio, TV, radio, but, um, but when I did TV on the Braves, mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. What's the most underrated Sinatra song? Well, I don't know if anything is underrated. Um, I will tell in you your this. opinion, in your opinion. He made, well, I, I, I don't have a list in front of me. Um, he recorded some pop songs that you wouldn't think Sinatra would sing. Mrs. Robinson, mm-hmm. um, uh, Big Bad Leroy Brown. Um, what is the song? Uh, kind of an, an, uh, an old-fashioned rhyme. Um, I can't think of it. But a- anyway, uh, what... Sinatra did. He had was such a great musician is that he made sure that not only he was singing well, but he made sure that he had great arrangements. Hmm. So the arrangements for Mrs. Robinson and for 
Big Bad, Leroy Brown. You would not think they're Sinatra songs. And there's other another song. I cannot get it. As soon as I get off the phone with you, I'll think of it. <laughs> but the uh, Old MacDonald, that's the one. Mm. Now, can you imagine Sinatra on a record singing Old MacDonald? <laughs> well, well, obviously they wrote a lot of different lyrics, and the band was great. Now, he didn't sing a song unless he had a a great chart because he was such a good musician. Mm -hmm. So there are three songs you'd never think Sinatra would sing. Can you imagine him singing Old MacDonald? But I mean, if you heard it, you'd think, wow, uh, great arrangement, and great lyrics. And, you know, he, uh, for me, he sings it. Um, I know it's going to be great. Mm -hmm. What's one thing about you that if you told someone that think that they know you that you would surprise them by telling them something about you that they don't know. You know, I don't, I don't know. I have an answer for that. Mm -hmm. uh, there, most people don't know me. So, uh, I have a lot of friends and a lot of family and, and my friends, kids, I'm uncle John to so many and I love them all so much. And I have four kids, my, myself, I, I'd be surprised. I, I, I think um, what I do is is pretty normal. I mean, for me, it's very normal. Mm. What would they think? I don't know. Do they know I sleep late? Do I know? Uh, um, you know, I sit here in the afternoons through this COVID and and read very happily. Read so. You mentioned your book reading right now by Grisham. What's been your favorite book you've read so far? Oh, I read every day. I, I can't. I, mean, I can't tell you one book i i love the series that bill o'reilly wrote with martin dugar the killing series mm -hmm. and i've i've read the revolutionary war and the civil war lincoln and uh, and world war ii and uh, which is kennedy and then the book on the war in asia and um as i say a lot of grisham a lot of uh biography and autobiography i've read so many i read every day i mean that's been all my life you know all the, all the plane trips think how many plane trips i've made yeah god and uh i, I don't care uh, about being on the plane i read i open a book and read and i'm totally into it and if uh, a car picks me up to go let's say to the airport or to go to new york for some reason or uh, Brooklyn to go to the Nets. I sit in the back and read, and I don't even notice the traffic. So. so I'm very fortunate. The things I like, actually, I don't like them. I love them, and the things that I love, I do all the time. And if I don't like it, I don't. I never do it, or I try never to do it. And so you say, well, you go to work every day. You know, I didn't miss a game for 38 years. Well, I didn't think about adding on to a streak. I love what I do. So I was very happy to go to work and broadcast. How much do you think reading every day has helped you as a broadcaster in your career? Oh, enormously. I started when I was a little boy, and without question, it enlarges your vocabulary. And, and things you read give you a little knowledge. Uh, um, when something comes up, you can address it. So... Um, I can't think about anything more important for the person's mind than to read. Mm -hmm. 
Well, John, this is my favorite part of any interview I do. It's the Fast Five Quick Round. It's five quick questions, but you have as much time to answer if you want to expand. Are you ready? I'm as ready as I'll be. <laughs> the first one, when was the last time you surprised yourself? <laughs> you ask good questions. I don't have any answers for them. <laughs> The thing I surprised, I, I think when I think back of not missing a game for 38 years, mm-hmm. I think that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, and I never thought about it, but I guess, did I surprise myself? Well, only when you, you know, when you do it one game at a time, you don't think about it. But then when you look back and you have all these um, marks, um, then you think and say, boy, that's more than that. Um, I have been on the air for 60 years. I can't say it surprised me, but it, uh, this is something I wanted to do when I was 10, 11, 12. No question what I was going to do with my life. I was going to be on the air. And um, sometimes I think back and say, wow, it really worked out. <laughs> and there, when you start, there, uh, no one can give you... Um, and no one can give you the information that it's all going to work. So, uh, yeah, I'm very fortunate. I've had a great, I would say, if you go to work at a radio or TV station every day, you now whether you're doing general talk or sports talk or news or disc jockey, whatever it is you're doing, um, if you do that and, you know, jobs are rated good, bad, whatever, I have actually had what would be called really good broadcasting jobs for like 55 years. Mm-hmm. So that goes to your first question. That really surprises me. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy it's all worked out. If if you could go back to your very start, because you were a radio DJ before you went into you know broadcasting play-by-play, right? Yes. What piece of advice would you tell yourself back when you were a radio DJ now? Well, uh, as far as being a DJ, I did. I, I worked um, for stations. In fact, the first job I had, I was there a, a tiny station, mm-hmm. way upstate New York. And you know, the morning man did a show, and I think he left. And uh, the station manager did something in the late. Yes, he did something in the late morning. Then he left to sell the merchants in town. And and I started on the air. Do you know that I was alone in the radio station? <laughs> you know, you had to you had to run your own board. Wow. That I had to learn. That mm. was a little tricky. But going on the air, that's what I was inside of me. That's what I was supposed to do. And you know what? I loved it. I was on the air alone, mm. playing the music I like. Mm-hmm. And. Um, and every day I'd go there and I would be doing all these hours on the air in the afternoon, loving it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. And uh, the third one would be, what would be your favorite sports movie of all time? Oh, boy. I thought that the Billy Crystal 61 on Mantle and Maris, mm. and I thought the, the movie... On uh, Jackie Robinson, forty-two. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they were two terrific movies, and well done. In fact, and I can't explain how because I don't have any mechanical knowledge at all inside of me—none, zero. But in the in the Jackie Robinson movie, 
How they did it, I don't know. But when Robinson was at home in Ebbets Field, or when he was on the road in Philly or Cincinnati or anyway, they uh, Pittsburgh, they recreated the ballparks. Mm. I have no idea how. So it really looked like the ballparks. Mm. And I, I love ballparks and old ballparks. And um, and then the acting was so great, and uh, it was it was really a it was really a marvelous movie. What would be your favorite uh, press box to call a game in besides Yankee Stadium? Well, um, well, in the old the old days, um, Tiger Stadium was unbelievable. Hmm. But you were you were so close. They gave you a screen if you wanted to use it, so you wouldn't get killed by the foul ball. <laughs> and and if a guy came up to the plate, you could lean over and talk to him. Wow. So uh, uh, that was a great sight. And Bob Wolf, the late Bob Wolf, told me that um, he'd done Washington Senators in the old days, mm. and uh, he said they were even closer in Washington, mm. where you had to have um, a screen, a hard screen, uh, because you you know you might get a um, <laughs> you might get a, a baseball right in your head, foul ball, whatever. Um, I'm going to think, I'm going to think. Uh, I, I'm very lucky. I, I I have a tendency to like things. I'm a very <laughs> up person. Yeah. And what what they have done in baseball, phenomenal. They have, they went away from all the horrible cookie cutters of the 60s and 70s and 80s. And now it's, they're just baseball parks instead of stadiums. Mm. And um, I, I I cannot tell you how great they are. Pittsburgh is as beautiful as can be. Philly, great ballpark. Obviously, Camden Yards. And I can go on and on. And um, I I think the ballparks are terrific. And the last one for the Fast Five. How do you determine how long the the and the Yankees win? for each win because sometimes it's a little shorter and then sometimes they're a little longer. So how do you determine how long they are? Well, it just comes from you. Um, I can tell you the, the one difference, if, you know, it's a, I could be a line. You're going to love it. There's a line from the great pirate broadcaster, Bob Prince. Um, it'd be a, a game, you know, a six, five, seven, six kind of game. And the, the other team has a couple of guys on, and someone rips one to deep center. And Bill Burden, who uh, Prince called Quail, <laughs> the Quail, um, he would race back and make a terrific catch to end the game. And Bob Prince would say, we had them all the way. <laughs> so um, when the Yankees win 11-1, the Yankees win is, is really very subdued. Mm-hmm. I do it because people are expecting it. But it's not um, emotional. Now, if they win that kind of game that I just described, Bob Prince saying we had them all the way, and then it's Yankees win, ah, and I, I give it all I have. So that that's the difference in and how to do it. Mm-hmm. All those things just come to me. I do everything. First of all, I do everything in life by the seat of my pants. That's something that to answer your question that people wouldn't know. I do everything by the seat of my pants, and I broadcast totally by the seat of my pants. It either happens or it doesn't happen. Well, John, the last question I have for you on this podcast, if someone 
walked up to you right now that didn't know who you were and asked, who is John Sterling, what would he tell them? I'd say, well, as you can see, he's, you know, a nice guy. And um, uh, for the, for his livelihood, he, he broadcasts uh, sports and talk and disc jockey work. And um, that's who I am. I love it. John, again, I appreciate you taking the time and baseball season right around the corner. Well, one thing, nowadays I have a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> so it's my pleasure. And um, when the season finally gets underway or spring training, we'll do this again, okay?